everybody, it is Tuesday, 21st of September, and we're doing okay. It's got to be said, despite the fact Wall Street was down 614, and the NASDAQ was down 2.1%, lowest level in the month, and despite the fact our futures were down 98, so we were down 57 at one point, and as I speak, we're down 6, so we've recovered a lot of it, and a lot of the gain is, or improvement, is in the resources sector, BHP and Rio up 1.8 and 1.9%. Fortescue Metals up 2.9%. And that comes despite the iron ore price being down 6.7%. Down again overnight. Down from $230 now to $94. So a remarkably good performance today. Considering considering we were on the brink there of what looked like a systemic financial collapse. Or were we... The barometer of the market at the moment is the Evergrande share price, which, as you will see in the strategy piece, to, not the strategy piece today, in the Marcus Today section today, has been down 92.6% since the high last year, and that was in July. So this has been bubbling along. It's not as if it's just happened. It's been bubbling along for over a year now. So down 92%. It was down 10% yesterday, 10.74%, 10.24%. And at one point, I think it was down 18% yesterday. But the good news today is that the Evergrande share price in Hong Kong is, as I speak, pretty much unchanged. It keeps flicking from up to down. But the precipitous collapse has stopped for the moment. And that can be seen, as I say, as a bit of a barometer of market fear at the moment in the very, very short term. Now, I'll come to the Evergrande, I'm probably pronouncing Evergrande wrong. I'll call it Evergrande. I will come to the Evergrande stuff soon. But a few quick things. The S&P 500 last night, at one point it was down 2.84% and then it bounced 1.2% in the last hour. So if you see the chart in the pre-market section today, you'll see US markets were recovering into the close yesterday. So they might do the same thing today or tonight. Dow futures, as I speak, are up 173. So things looking a little bit more relaxed today. Also, the VIX volatility or fear index jumped 23% last night in the US. It's still not at stressed levels. It's still within the bull market trading band. And if US bounces tonight, it's going to come off the top again. But obviously, it picked up a bit overnight. Looking at the ASX 200 chart, we broke through our 50-day and 100-day moving average. Our market at the low today was 6% off the top, which was about a month ago. And yes, there's been a bit of a sell-off, but technically it would only be scaring traders, not investors. We are still in the big uptrend for the moment. And that iron ore price fall down another 6.75%. At $94, the iron ore price is down 591 that is to do with the Evergrande situation as well. Curbs on the property development sector in the in China affects the demand for commodities. But at some point, clearly, we are going to wake up to the iron ore price up 20%. And on that day, your fear about your Fortescue, BHP and Rio shares and Mount Gibson shares today is going to reverse and you're going to wish you had more. And I look forward to that day. So most of the damage 
done in the iron ore sector, I think, at this point. It's happened very, very quickly. Blink and you miss it. And showing some signs of resilience today. Big volumes in the US market suggest that the trend is more likely to extend. Technically speaking, volume is the fifth data point on every share price or every price move each day. All technical analysis comes from five data points, but we only ever really look at four of them, which is high, low, open, close. But the fifth one is volume. Most people who are idly looking at charts don't take volume into account, but volume confirms the trend. So if a share price is falling hard on big volume, it tends to suggest it can keep falling and vice versa if it's rising on high volume. So what people look out for is prices that are rising fast, but volumes dropping away. That suggests to a trader that with volumes dropping away, the commitment or the conviction of the rise is being lost and at some point it will peak. So big volumes in the US overnight suggest that the recent sell-off is going to extend. Volumes were 12.24 billion shares on the New York Stock Exchange, which is up from the 20-day average of 9.9 .9 billion. Some strategists are out and about, as you might expect. Morgan Stanley's strategists saying they expect a 10% in the correction in the S&P 500, courtesy of tapering, not courtesy of the Evergrande situation, no mention of that, but courtesy of tapering, and it could extend to a 20% correction if backed by stalling economic growth. And if you look at the top and bottom of the trading range on the S&P 500 and our market actually, it tends to trade over a period of years. The normal corrections are 15 to 20%. It's the width of the trading range. So they're not saying anything new other than stating what the usual trading range is from top to bottom, 20%. Other quick things, airlines amazingly rose overnight in the US. They are the United States going to relax travel restrictions in November to passengers from China, Britain and other European countries. Bond markets don't know what to do. If there was a financial crisis, bond markets or bond yields spike, they haven't spiked. So the bond market is relaxed about some sort of systemic risk. Uh, risk coming out of the Evergrande situation. And if anything, this fear of a debt issue in China is going to delay the FOMC's tapering decision even further. And on that basis, bond yields should probably fall. So they don't really know what to do at the moment. Didn't do much overnight. There is, of course, an FOMC meeting we will wake up to on Thursday morning. Macquarie say we will see advance notice of tapering with some caveats, re-emphasizing that the eventual tapering decision is data dependent over the next few months, depending on what economic data is released. And we're also going to see updated economic forecasts from the FOMC. And they think the dot plot, if anything, will become a little bit more hawkish, which if this Evergrande situation blows up, it'll become extremely dovish extremely quickly. So who knows? Right. I hope you are enjoying the new Marcus Today section. We've had a bit of a competition to see who can name this section. I have to say, despite your valiant efforts, I am not taken with any of the suggestions so far. It's like the, a newswire that constantly, because we're putting everything new at the top, it constantly scrolls down. It's like the financial review, but much, much better. And it includes a lot of opinions and stats and broker research and interpretation rather than facts. So we'll leave it at Marcus today for today. So in the Marcus today section, I have decided that what I'm going to do is rather than have a separate Marcus today strategy or Marcus strategy section, 
It is so much easier for me if I write into that section rather than rewrite a whole new section, which tends to see me trying to catch some of the events that have already been in the newsletter and I end up regurgitating and duplicating a lot of stuff that's already in there. Why don't we just do it once, leave it in the Marcus Today section and when I have my own strategy pieces, you will see those highlighted, not just in the Marcus Today section, you'll notice a sort of banner heading on the strategy piece in the Marcus Today section today, but I'll also mention it in the podcast. So there is a section in the Marcus Today section today on the Evergrande situation explaining it all. And there's also a section on my strategy call on what to do uh, in this situation. Now, it will take me half an hour to run through everything in the Marcus Today section. So let me just chat about Evergrande. Oh, it's now down 5.2% selling off a bit in Hong Kong. If you don't know, it is the second largest property developer in China. It is heavily indebted. It's got $305 billion worth of liabilities, more debt than any other property developer in the world. It accounts for 16% of the corporate bonds in the Chinese high yield bond market. They have 200 offshore and 2000 onshore subsidiaries. Their assets would account for 2% of China's GDP. And what's been going on, of course, is that the Chinese authorities have been trying to preempt the risks in the Chinese property market by cracking down on leverage and on speculation in property. And over the period of a year, they have now pushed Evergrande into a corner such that they have on Thursday got $83.5 million worth of five-year dollar bond payments due and another $36 million as well on another offshore bond. And they have to find the money to do it and a lot of their debt is trading at 30 cents in the dollar and the fear is that they will default. They won't default until they've missed a payment by 30 days. They're trying to come up with solutions such as offering property instead of cash as repayments. But the big uncertainty is what the People's Bank of China or the Chinese authorities are going to do about it, if anything. And this whole situation and all this fear could dissipate in one blink if the People's Bank of China makes some reassurances to debt holders, but there's nothing yet. So be aware that whatever you do, if you do some selling, for instance, you might just find in the next minute the Chinese say something. They're very secretive, so you just wouldn't know in advance that they say something that puts a finger in the dike and everything bounces. So we are all gambling at the moment. But clearly the fear is developing and half the problem is that the media, the strategists, TV commentators, brokers, me, we're all picking up on it. And because it's good content, we're all emphasizing the negative trend now. And that feeds itself. And without the Chinese coming in and catching the whole situation, it will just continue to rumble and tumble. But will they step in? I've just got to say, the Chinese are not exactly sympathetic to share prices. They've deliberately cracked down on the real estate sector. They are achieving what they wanted to do, which is cool prices and discourage leveraged players. And whilst we think as Western investors, and whilst we think along the lines of Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen, you've got to understand the Chinese don't mind share prices falling over. They've already halved some of the big tech stock share prices. They've had no sympathy for the damage they've done to private tutoring firms and their share prices. 
They've no sympathy for the Macau casinos they're cracking down on, whose share prices are collapsing. Chinese have a goal of common prosperity, which doesn't involve looking after elite Wall Street investment banks, which is the major concern of monetary policy in the US. There are actually some suggestions that the Chinese are going to extend their real estate clampdown. So let's not assume anything until we hear it. Goldman Sachs uh, writing, they can write what they like, but the Chinese will do what they do. But Goldman Sachs sort of sums it up with a call for the Chinese authorities to send a clearer message on how they plan to stop Evergrande from causing significant spillovers for the broader economy. The Chinese have been injecting money into the banking system over the last few days, but not addressing the Evergrande situation directly. So will they or will they not announce some state-led plan to prevent any further fallout? Your guess is as good as mine and anything you do now is done without knowing whether this switch will be flicked in the next minute, day, week to dissolve all the fear and have us all calling this the best buying opportunity we've seen in the short term in months. For now, as I say, all you can do is watch the Evergrande share price in Hong Kong, which is currently down 4.82% and that is the market's best guess as to how risky it is at the moment. You can, by the way, I've put a link in the Marcus Today in my section, my strategy section in the Marcus Today section. There's a link in there to the Yahoo printout of the Yahoo Finance printout of the China Evergrande Group share price. So you can watch that all day if it so suits. Thursday seems to be the D-Day for repayments, so maybe something will materialize after that. It's obviously a pretty big risk. The Western markets are worrying about, obviously worrying about some sort of Lehman-style collapse. And the problem with this sort of debt issue is nobody knows who's holding the debt. Nobody knows where the contagion or the tentacles of contagion reach. In the GFC, it was all about freezing up the finance or the freezing of the financial markets because people didn't know whether quite credible or previously credible borrowers were exposed to the mortgage-backed securities crisis or not. So could we continue to roll over at the same rate? And can we continue to lend to even quite big institutions like Lehman Brothers? And the answer was no. So suddenly everything freezes up with fear. And that's what happened in the GFC. And the same thing here. Nobody knows which financial institutions are exposed. So that's the fear here. It's the uncertainty. As I say, media, strategy, strategists, newswires, all perpetuating the, the fear. As I say, bond markets don't know what to do. They're supposed to spike on a financial crisis, but they're also falling because they think the FOMC won't taper now. One of the market reports out of the equity options market market in the US is that things are fairly calm. One Newswire was talking about profit-taking on positions rather than buying up protection against a sell-off. So both the bond market and the derivatives markets reasonably relaxed. And lastly, for those of you who are taking big hits in BHP, Rio, Fortescue, it's all part of the same story. The Chinese cooling the property market, which slows property development, weakens demand for Australian commodities, particularly steel, particularly iron ore. And we're, we're seen, we've seen that wash over the market in the last month as well. Very rapidly, it's got to be said. It's not time yet, but I can see someday soon the Chinese could just stick the band-aid on this situation 
and we wake up to the iron ore price up 20%. Not predicting it, but ready to react to it. Looks like the damage is done. Right, what to do about it? The strategy comments today, which are in the markets today section. This is entirely a personal choice at this stage. And I make the point that there is every excuse for you as an individual to take profits and sell stocks at the moment. There's been a technical top of sorts in the market, nothing precipitous yet. And where you are on the scale of risk appetite and nervousness and what sort of stocks you're playing in will all dictate whether you do anything or react at all. If you are a sit on your 20 boring stocks investor who doesn't do much and it's all long term, a bit like a fund manager, then the technical conditions are not there yet for you or institutional fund managers to declare that there's some sort of crisis and sell. As I say, every excuse for an individual at the active end of the investment uh, investment spectrum to be selling something at the moment. And me personally, I'm high risk. I watch all day so I can afford to be high risk. I'm high attention, high risk. As an individual, not as a fund manager, as an individual, I prefer to be out at the moment and waiting to buy than sitting in the market just taking it on the nose at the moment. And today might be a great opportunity to do that because the market's quite stable. And active traders will be looking at cashing up to to take advantage of the opportunity when the bottom comes rather than selling because they're fearful. You really can't afford to be emotional about it, worrying about the fact that the stocks are off the top and you you were looking at your portfolio worth X and now it's worth X minus 6%. And that's terrible. You just can't get emotional about it. You'll never get the top. We're in the reaction game, not the prediction game. So you'll never get the top. And you've got to accept that. It's all about tomorrow, not yesterday. And I think at this stage in the game with the Evergrande situation having started, even if the Chinese put a Band-Aid on, it's punctured this equity market bubble. We knew something was going to come along. It's come along. And as I say, as an individual, I prefer to be out now watching. So I'd be, and I'm I'm active, high risk. I'd be much, I'd be willingly selling because I want to sit there waiting to buy the bottom. For investors, who cares? It's a 6% fall so far and it looks like we might be bottoming. Don't stress yourself. And it's too late to sell the big stocks, BHP and Rio and Fortescue. I'd just be looking for the moment to buy them now. So you make your mind up. But I can tell you as fund managers, no one's going to do what we did last year in the pandemic and declare a wholesale disaster and sell everything. We've learned a lot about funds management over the last year anyway, and we we wouldn't be doing that. It's a different game in the relative performance game. You're not going to react wholesale to a 5% technical correction in funds management. Fear alone is not enough of an excuse. That's not to say there will be an excuse to make wholesale changes. But for now, it's little more than a head fake from the herd. And in certain sectors, I'm entirely sure we're setting up for a great buying opportunity, mostly iron ore. If you do sell today, you do do so knowing that this could end today on one utterance from the People's Bank of China. They are still clearly deciding what to do. They haven't said what they're going to do. But if you wake up to find that you've sold everything and that the Evergrande situation has been underwritten by the People's Bank of China and the iron ore price is up 20% tomorrow, that's the risk you take. Bad luck.
This is not a science. Selling up now is short-term stuff. It's about cashing up to be able to buy. And that's what I'd be doing as an individual. So bottom line is I can't decide for you. I don't know your individual risk profiles and engagement and level of activity. You have to decide, but I can tell you fund managers will not be doing any wholesale selling because it's not savage enough yet. And it may turn, may just fizzle out to nothing and they'll look very stupid. Plus they're playing a relative game, which makes it a lot easier not to sell. But if you are a high risk active investor, yep, why not sell, take some profits and then have the ammunition to take advantage of the bottom when it comes. And if you happen to cock it up and it's all up tomorrow and you've sold today, big deal. That's the risk you take. You missed out on making some money. At least if you sell, you're not at risk. If you sell, the great thing about selling is it's quite cathartic. You end up waking up the next morning hoping when you look at your mobile phone, the market's a disaster. And that can be, as I say, quite cathartic. So what you do is your call, you accept responsibility for your own call and take what comes with it in the short term and understand it's all a bit of a gamble in the short term. Right, loads of other stuff in the newsletter today, waiting to see what drops of this two-week shutdown for Victoria's construction industry. Macquarie names some, have an upbeat piece of research out on copper today. They've got buy recommendations on OZL, 29M, SFR and C. HN. Macquarie have also, I've written up their model portfolio, Australian model portfolio. And interestingly, and I think they're right, they have emphasized a focus on offshore earners. The Chinese economy does look like it's coming off the top. There are other indicators out of the US. If the global economy slows, you'll find cyclical currencies like the Aussie dollar drift, whilst defensive currencies like the US dollar rise, and that will play out very well for international earners in our market. This is the opposite view, by the way, of what Shane Oliver was writing last week. Who do you believe? I don't know. But they give an interesting list, which is in the Marcus Today section. They give an interesting list of the major overseas earners, which, as we know, include a lot of the healthcare stocks. RBA minutes route today as a link to the full minutes in the strategy piece. You'll also see that we've made a few portfolio changes just tinkering at the edges. Nothing major. That's about it. Good luck with what you do today. It's all a bit of a gamble. I know a bit scary. As I say, no one knows. But as a trader, yeah, I'd be I'd be happy waking up with cash tomorrow. Excited if it bounces and looking for what to buy and happy if it all falls over because I don't hold anything. But as I say, fund managers won't be doing much. There's not enough evidence of a financial crisis. Whatever the news wires are saying at the moment, of course, they're beating it up. As I leave you the Dow futures still up 177 could do anything by the time the market's open Evergrande share price down 3.95 percent the guys have got their on the desk podcast in the newsletter today have a click on that if you haven't signed up for our one stock portfolio stock picking competition three thousand dollars for you to win there doesn't cost you anything go ahead and do that links in the newsletter as I leave you we are up yes market is up one point. It was down 57 at one point. Resources doing well. Banks down a little bit. Technology on the nose. Travel and tourism flying along. Lithium stocks recovering. Might be some opportunities there. Gold doing okay. Defensive sector. When the world goes to hell, gold does well. And coal looking okay. But led by resources today, you have a fabulous day and I will speak to you tomorrow. (laughs) 